0: Welcome to the Rob Seco Field Ready Podcast with your host, Jim Robinson.
1: Hello, and welcome back to the Rob Seaco Field Ready Podcast. I'm your host, Jim Robinson. So, the 2020 crop has been harvested and much of the grain has already been sold. But if you have anything in your bin, you probably still have some unsold bushels. To maximize your return on the grain you produced, we're going to take a look at the grain markets in today's episode. With me to do that, we have Bob Linneman from Kleist Commodity Advisors. Hello and welcome, Bob. Could you introduce yourself?
0: Yeah, thanks, Jim. I appreciate the opportunity to be here today. Um, as you said, uh, I work with Kleist Commodity Advisors. Uh, our home office is out of Minneapolis, actually YZ, so just on the west edge of Minneapolis there. We have uh, two offices in South Dakota. We have an office in Wisconsin, uh, one in North Dakota, and I think we have, or just just about to get one in uh, Nebraska. So kind of a, a started smaller shops and still, I think there's less than 10 brokers across the entire company, but uh, very well connected, a lot, very deep as far as the knowledge uh, between the commercial market, the grain merchandising market, the, the physical product market, uh, how it translates into feeding the, you know, feeding grain. If you're also a livestock producer. So a lot of experience between the, the guys that work there, which it makes it uh a really good environment for us as uh, brokers and and for our customers. We can bounce ideas off of of anyone in the office. So,
1: excellent. So we have the right guy to talk about commodities in. And, and
0: <laughs> I'm going to do my best. I'm going to do okay. my best, Jim.
1: So, Bob, can you tell us a little bit about what's happened in the grain markets up until this point in 2020?
0: Yeah, boy, talking about a roller coaster, Jim, I mean, you talk, uh, go back to July, even uh, June, July, this summer, we were looking at corn ending stocks uh, for the new crop somewhere in that 3.2, 3.3 billion bushel carry out. The the general psyche of of my customers, and I'm sure you guys saw it as well, uh, that just general emotion was, it was draining quickly. Guys were getting very nervous. Bankers were very nervous. Uh, I I visit with a lot of bankers routinely and uh, both sides were just starting to, you could feel it, feel it coming like, Oh my gosh, we're going to have another, you know, third year in a row. And for some guys, fourth year in a row of barely scraping by and with prices, even with good crops, guys were making it uh, just making it work. And then you get uh, into late July there and the weather shifts and we don't get any rain. And it; those were widespread areas that missed rains. Um, things started changing for the beans. We started seeing big exports uh, kick in from China. That was; we'll talk about that a few more times here today, I'm sure. But the, the demand side of the equation really started picking up. So when you look at um, a, a little bit of a drier end of the growing season in the U.S. here, it didn't devastate our crops. You know, we don't want to go as far as saying that we had a, a crop disaster like 2012 was. It's nothing like that. However, when you have a big spike in demand like we saw starting in i would say let's call it august kind of is when the when the thing really turned and you saw the demand pick up big time you saw production estimates in the united states declining a little bit here after every monthly usda support or usda supply and demand report you saw those numbers declining which for a trend that's what traders look at. They want to see what is the trend during that time frame, And when that trend started going down instead of going up, uh, that really kind of sparked the funds, the managed money. And that's when the managed money stepped in. And boy, did that, that just turned things around real quickly. So kind of in a nutshell, that's the, probably the biggest factors right there for 2020 up to this point has been the funds stepping in the lower production in the U S and really the demand and the demand is probably the biggest factor there, Jim, as far as, as far as we've never seen anything like this type of demand to go with a pretty good, a pretty good crop all in all. I mean, we really didn't have, we didn't hit a record, but it wasn't a disaster by any means. We're only a few bushels off what our, you know, early summer estimates were Jim. So, I mean, it's just something we can't compare to at this point. So the demand, this super strong demand is, a, is a, a road or a path we haven't been down. So we really don't know how it's gonna unfold, Jim, and that's where it's gonna get interesting.
1: For sure, for sure. So with the spike in demand, how much do you think American farmers are gonna be able to take advantage of that versus, you know, say, you know, grain merchants and uh, you know, people who are actually holding a lot of the bushels today? Are, are today's farmers able to take advantage of the spike in demand?
0: Yeah. So that's a great point. So who's holding all the bushels? You know, like you said before, at the very beginning of the, of the podcast here, um, I think a lot of farmers, U S farmers sold off the combine, which really the, the, the futures market was telling you don't store it. I mean, you, you, there was no carry in the market. The spreads were saying, sell it now because you're not going to get paid to store it in your bin. And with that, um, and, and profit levels were there with this, with the pop in prices as harvest kind of got underway and bankers were, you know, wiping the, their brows off because they were nervous and, and balance sheets started to look better for the farmers and, and everyone you toss in the farm payments that, that were paid out by the government, the, the year end income really started looking pretty good right off the combine. And a lot of guys where they were, like I said, the, the emotional state of the farming industry it was teetering on being scary there for a little while. So when you get that type of switch in, you know, mental state, uh, it's a good idea to make some sales. You know, it really was. It's just now you look back and you say, darn it. You know, I just sold too much or I just sold too early. And the worst part about marketing is when you pull that trigger, you can't look back. You have to keep looking forward. And that's one thing that is, it's really hard to do. I grew up on the farm. I know how that works. You spend the entire year growing that crop, And when you let go of it, it, it's hard to let go of it. It's something that, you know, your blood, sweat and tears went into it. So to let it go, it's a tricky thing to do. But um, if you can do it at a profitable level, you just have to be done with that one and move on to the next one. And that's something that uh, I I think a lot of guys are sitting back saying, shoot, I wish I would have jumped in and bought a call or I would have done something a little bit different with the marketing. And um, and now they see the markets up. I mean, in some cases a dollar and a half from where they got out and and they sit back and say, wow, what, what could the, what my year could have looked like with that on top of it, Jim. And that's, that's just as everyone does it, it's just kind of that human nature, but it's something that we really try to focus on. Just keep moving forward. Look at the next sale that you can make that's at a profitable level, Jim. And, and that's, um, it's something that this whole winter we're going to spend, look at the next sale. What can we do for what's left this year? How can you retain those bushels, retain ownership? And what can you do for the 2021 crop? You know, new crop in 21 there, which uh, we'll visit about here in a little bit. But um, as far as things that you can do, you can still buy call options. You know, you really can. You can look at buying uh, spreads. And and those are things that uh, if you don't quite understand what that is, we'll give some information later where you can give me a call or you can call your broker and visit about them, whoever you're working with. And, um, the bull spreads in these grain markets, uh, especially the soybean market, Jim, that just is a lot of power behind that right now. And there's a lot of reason to think that it it won't slow down for a little while unless if something fundamentally changes in this market.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So uh, let's say that a grower does have some unsold bushels in his bin right now. What, What would you recommend that grower do with those bushels going forward through the rest of the year?
0: Yeah, so for corn, um, I, I think corn is going to be the, the second or third kind of, um, it's going to be on the back burner, let's put it like that. It, it's going to be the, the one that's in the shadows. It, it really isn't as bullish of a story as soybeans. And, you know, I don't like to do this very often, and I think in the 12 years I've been in this business, I think I've done it twice, where I might say that instead of re-owning your corn bushels with corn calls, look at buying a soybean call. and and really uh, try to look at a a, a very reasonable approach to owning soybeans versus corn right now. Unless there's something, like I said, um, fundamentally changes in the corn market, the soybeans are the more bullish commodity right now. And that's where leaning guys into that idea of go out and get into the May or get into the July contracts. If you don't mind uh, spending 50 cents on a call option and just buy that call option and sit on it. And, and the reason behind, um, there's a lot of strategies being tossed around, you know, buy a call, sell a call or buy a call, sell two calls over the top. I really am not interested in doing much of that stuff, Jim. The, the situation with where volatility is right now and with what those upper calls, what those premiums are are worth and where they think they could go, I, it just isn't going to perform that type of strategy isn't going to perform. And you you won't be happy at the end of it. The end result just isn't going to be there for you. So try to. I know it's expensive. Go out there and and just buying an outright call option if you're a little bit nervous about the market. Um, getting into those spreads, like I said, I, I like that as a retain ownership strategy as well, Jim. Buy the July uh, soybeans, sell the November soybeans. You know that that spread there. Uh, we can get into some of the details there if we have time, but in 2013, 14 and, and 14, 15, those that spread alone went to $2 and 70 cents the one year. And it went to three fifty nine the other year. I think we're trading about a dollar, a dollar 30 today right now as we speak. So there's a lot of room if we're looking at ending stocks and trying to compare year to year with where the U S ending stocks, uh, rolled out at the end of that season, um, there's good reason for those spreads to keep moving. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, excellent. So that's that's
1: good. Now, in a previous conversation you and I had, Bob, we, we talked a little bit about local basis and, and what might be done there. Could you tell me uh, kind of reiterate what we had talked about before and and uh, tell us a little bit about your thoughts on local basis.
0: Yeah, so basis is going to be an interesting game this year. Um, I, I think, uh, I know a lot of my customers were getting phone calls from grain buyers as, as they were running, running through the combines and, and corn was starting to get into the bin. They really weren't calling to ask if they could buy corn. They were calling to ask how much corn you have. And they wanted, I literally think they were writing down in a notebook, oh, yep, Farmer Joe has 130,000 bushels of corn in the bin. And, you know, the neighbor down the road has, you know, 65,000 bushels in the bin. And then this guy, it's eight miles away, just keeping track of how many bushels there are. So when they need to buy corn, they'll make phone calls directly to the buyer or directly to the to the seller, to the farmer. So they can work out a deal between buyer and seller just over the phone and, and literally initiate that, that transaction um, kind of away from, a posted bid. As everyone sees on, you can jump on the internet and pull up your local elevator and see what their posted bid is and basis. They're going to leave that a little bit wider than I think than what they're actually paying for grain. When they buy it, they're going to try to get those bushels locked up and, and honestly uh, shop around. Don't be afraid to shop around. You know, if you're within eight, 10 miles and and you don't mind trucking this way or that way and your relationship is good uh, with either one of those locations, uh, take the time, make a phone call and just say, Hey, I've, I've got this many bushels. This is really the price I want for it. Kind of play that game a little bit. You're in that you're in the driver's seat at ho- owning those bushels, holding them on the farm in the bin, you know, especially for corn now. soybeans. I don't think there's a lot of soybeans owned out there in the bin. If there are, I would honestly say probably um, sit tight on them and for soybeans. I really think it's going to be hard to find this physical soybean in the U S here come springtime in, in the United States. I I think it's going to be tricky. So
1: So that kind of transitions us nicely into what do you think farmers should be doing looking at their 2021
0: crop? Yeah, that's a great question. I think the, I think the, the difference between this year and and next year, obviously we're going to see more acres. I I think that is kind of a given. Everyone's kind of already out there throwing out some anywhere from three to 4 million more corn, three to 4 million more beans, uh, I don't think those numbers are inaccurate. I think it's going to be close, maybe even a little bit more. You might you might drag some wheat acres into some some soybeans and, and corn instead. Um, some farm operations don't like to deviate from their crop rotation, as you guys are well aware of that. Um, that's something that, that might be tested this year. That honestly might be tested where if they can put the agronomics into the soil and, and go corn on corn instead of putting – the wheat and are, are messing with the rotation a little bit because prices are where they are. They might do that this year with corn and soybeans. Um, the world needs the U S to come up with a good crop in 21. They just, they do uh, South American weather. We haven't talked too much about that, but that's going to be a big issue here this winter. And if uh, the La Nina pattern continues to kind of create some situations down there that are unfavorable for growing, we really are the world needs us. Like I said before, the world's going to need the U S to put together a pretty good crop in 21. Um, We've done some number crunching on the soybean side of things, even with a 4 million acre increase in soybeans versus the 2020 crop you leave yield. I think we left it at 51 bushel an acre Mm -hmm. harvested acres. We didn't mess with too much, you know, kind of left that ratio the same. Uh, If you leave exports and usage, the same Jim you can look at a real scenario where carry out starting out with those types of numbers, carry out is under 300. And -hmm. that's a pretty, that's a pretty scary area to be talking already for the 21 with an increase of 4 million acres. So the, the whole game in the soybean world, and that's why I said earlier, owning the soybeans versus the corn right now seems like a better idea. So um, when it comes around to the 21, what can you do to protect out there? Uh, I'll look here quick. Uh, December 21 corn is trading 412, and November 21 beans are 1052. So that's trading right here, uh, current prices. Are those bad prices? Absolutely not. They're not. Anytime you can get uh, corn into that 410, 420 range, you get beans into 1050. For the most part, with, with average yields, those are profitable numbers. Um, do I think that uh, there's further upside? I do. I honestly do. So uh, if you're nervous about this area, look at buying some short dated puts. If you're not sure what short dated puts are, give your give your broker a call. They can look it up. Give me a call. Um, send me an email. Do whatever. Uh, we, there are options that are less expensive than going the full term if, if you're getting a little bit nervous. so
1: Perfect. Perfect. So just to kind of summarize overall, Bob, you know, this bump in demand that we started to see in the, the mid to late summer really drove markets into a much more positive position overall. Now, a lot of the bushels were already owned by, by other people other than the farmers themselves, but there are still opportunities uh, for farmers to either uh, well, improve their positions overall. You know, not get too fancy about things, but you're know, looking at, at buying some calls outright to improve their position for their 2020 crop. But you know, these these farmers have a lot of opportunities, even when it comes to looking at improving their local basis. I mean, you said it yourself that a lot of elevators were calling around to to find out how many bushels individual farmers were producing. And in that creates opportunity to actually negotiate what what kind of price a grower can get for those bushels.
0: Yeah, Uh, that's exactly right.
1: Especially on corn. Yeah. Looking forward to 2021, we'll likely see an increase in overall acres, but it's probably not going to be enough of an increase to really suppress prices more than they are today. We may actually see an improvement in prices. And as you said, the world needs a good U.S. crop overall. And so there is a lot of optimism to be looking forward to in 2021, and, and getting in a, a good position now will absolutely help going forward. Anything you want to add to that summary?
0: Yeah, that's a that's a great summary, Jim. Um, the one thing to keep a real close eye on, and we've been talking about this at uh in our daily writing that we send out in our weekend reports that we send out, um, any conversations we have with customers, watch that July versus November soybean spread. That mm-hmm. one is going to be something that, uh, will kind of dictate where this market can ultimately go. Um, it, it's something that I don't, I've had it in the past where you can look at the years This the spread has moved quickly and moved aggressively, Jim. Um, you don't want to get down on the markets when you see July you know, if July were to trade into that $15 range and the spread is $3 between it, just like it hit in 2012, 13, um, if July's at 15, that puts November at 12. You know, mm-hmm. you don't want to get down on the new crop market at $12 because, because July's at 15. Don't do that. That's the wrong mentality to take there. You still want to look at $12 new crop beans as a area to protect. So yep. don't get sidetracked between the difference price the, the different prices in the, the summer months here versus the new crop months, Jim. That's something that has happened in the past and really trying to forewarn guys, don't get caught in that trap.
1: That's great advice. That's great advice. So Bob, if anybody wants to get in touch with you or with anybody else at Classic Commodity Advisors, where, where can they look?
0: Yeah, you can look on our website. Uh, we've got a website. Just Google us. It, uh, that's pretty easy to find us there. Uh, we've all got our, our lovely you know pictures on the website there with phone numbers behind us. Um, my number is 888-282-6141. That's my toll-free number. Rings rings right into me, and, and uh, I'll visit with you about anything that you need to visit about. Um, you can also send emails. Um, again, that's all on the website. So I don't want to get too fancy there, but um, just Kleist uh, Commodities, and uh, you'll you'll find me that way. And, uh, you know, one thing that we, we also take uh, a good pride in Jim is we actually have a, a, grain trading academy that we hold in the wintertime. And that's something that, uh, we've had really good luck with kind of going through the basic ideas of what to watch. And we didn't even get into talking charts today cause it's a whole nother podcast. Um, but there's, we, we teach you how to look at the charts, what to look at for support and resistance and, and the supply and demand reports, how to read the CFTC commitment of traders reports. And so that green trading Academy starts in January. And again, you can find that information about that online, uh, at our website, but that is also a, a great tool that we offer during the winter time here when, when, uh, farmers are looking for something to do. So.
1: Excellent. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Bob.
0: Yeah, I appreciate that. Uh, the opportunity, Jim. And, and again, have a have a great Thanksgiving.
1: Uh, thank you, you too. So as always, be sure to tune in on the 1st and 15th of every month for new episodes. And until then, stay field ready.
0: Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Rob Seaco Field Ready Podcast. Join us next time to be field ready.